Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. He gets so crazy at times. It sounds like... You yell back at your radio. What are you talking about? What the hell? He gets so angry. You tweet to try and calm him down. Now... He gets an hour all to himself. It's Sparky's Midday Madness on the fan with Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Welcome in. It is Sparky's Midday Madness on 1250 AM. The fan. Don't forget, you want to cash in during the football, pro football playoffs. Try out giving props. A free-to-play contest on BetQL.com. Every round of the playoffs will post 10 props. They'll simply create an account. That's what you do. Make your picks for a chance to win $2,000 in weekly winnings. Plus, just by signing up, you're entered into a random grand prize drawing for $10,000. Get started today at BetQL.com slash props. That's BetQL.com slash props. Plucker, you get you, you, uh, you, you dabble a little bit in this stuff. Are you a are you a props guy? Do do you play props like some of these props like we were reading earlier on the big show like uh, Tom Brady over under two hundred and ninety four and a half yards passing? Do you dabble in in that type of over under stuff? Or are you more just betting the games? I'll get into it occasionally, but most of the times I just stick with the games. I. I feel like I've been pretty good the last couple weeks against the spread. So, nice. Keep it yeah. going. Well, I did it with Toby a couple weeks back for week 17. was 12-4 and four that week. Uh, and so if you listen to me and him on the Bart Winkler show, you had a really good really week. Good I was 12-4 and four and Toby was 10-6. and six. Yeah. So this past week with a couple upsets, I was like, Ten, I think I was ten and six, something around that. Maybe a little bit Still worse. Still ahead, but I don't remember exactly. Yeah, last two weeks have been pretty good, but I obviously just do that on my own. I don't put money on every game, uh, unfortunately, because I don't have the means to, since it's not legal here in Wisconsin. Correct. So. Yes. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Some of these things, um, like Kyler Murray over under two hundred and forty eight and a half passing yards, or Najee uh, Najee Harris over under seventy seven and a half rushing yards, on that type of deal. That Steelers game intrigues me because they literally have nothing to lose. Nothing. Nobody thinks they're going to win that game against Kansas City. Nobody nobody thinks they're going to. I mean, we'll find out, I guess, from Ken Barkley from uh, You Bet or You Bet on Friday on the Wendy's Big Show uh, at 1135, whether or not he thinks they can keep it close. But nobody really thinks they're going to keep it close. Big Ben's last game in a Steelers uniform more than likely if they lose the game. Like, we just saw the Lions run a bunch of trick plays against the Packers. I would not be surprised in the least if they like throw everything but the kitchen sink at the Chiefs uh, to try and get some type of advantage uh, and and do something, something different that they haven't seen on tape and go out there and have a bunch of fun. Uh, okay, so uh, before uh, we get to our guests for today, uh, and we, we do have some guests uh, coming up uh, on today's show, one of which uh, I'm looking forward to getting on uh, is Bill Bender. Uh, looking forward to having him on to talk about uh, their – all too early college of football, top 25. Talk more about Badger football and more about what we're talking about on the Wendy's Big Show as far as the disparity in college football programs uh, right now in the NCAA. So we'll talk to Bill Bender from Sporting News uh, coming up here in about uh, 12 minutes or so, 10, 12 minutes. And then we will talk with Eli Berkovitz. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter. I know many of you do at Book of Eli underscore NFL. Uh, he'll join us coming up uh, in about a half hour from right now. Also does 
Pack-A-Day podcast and so forth. Been doing it for a long time. Talk to him about the Packers and the playoffs, and uh, maybe there's a team out there uh, like so many of you have that he fears at this point and matchups and so forth. So talk to Eli Berkovitz uh, at about 2.30. But I first uh, want to start off talking about something that I don't believe has had any play on this radio station um, all day. Now, I didn't listen to every waking moment of Bart's show um, necessarily, uh, but I heard parts of Bart's show, and I didn't hear him bring it up. And I, it didn't come up in our big show meeting either. Um, and it's not something I necessarily want to take calls on, uh, but something that I want to bring up because I know a lot of people you know, don't want to spend the money to pay uh, for a subscription for a website to read articles. I know that's a, a thing for a lot of people like, ah, screw it. I'm not paying so much a month uh, to go read articles, right? I mean, The Athletic... Uh, they they charge per month or whatever, uh, and I think between losses and revenue or whatever, I think they made a grand total of like $10 million last year, and, and now they just got sold uh, just recently here, uh, and so somebody else is going to take this thing over and see if they can make a run with it, but in general, a lot of people don't want to pay for the subscription to read stuff, which, whatever, it is on you. So uh, I have a subscription, though, uh, to the Journal Sentinel and the Green Bay Press uh, Gazette, so I can read to you. Uh, this this piece here by uh, Richard Ryman. Um, and I, to be honest with you, I shouldn't be surprised. But I just think it's, I just don't think it's smart. I mean, I get what they're trying to do. Uh, the Green Bay Packers offer their strongest opposition yet to Republican David Steffen's proposal to disband the Lambeau Field Stadium District during his presentation to the Green Bay fin- Finance uh, Committee. Now, Steffen... Uh, proposes the elimination of the Packers-Brown County Professional Football Stadium District and its seven-member board, which co-owns Lambeau Field with the Packers and the city. His legislation would transfer assets and liabilities of the district to the city of Green Bay except for $81 million set aside for operations and maintenance of the stadium through at least 2031. That he would distribute uh, to Brown County property owners and other entities. Now, as, again, you you read further into this, this is something that I find uh, rather entertaining because he's going to create enemies with the reason Green Bay's on the map to begin with, the Green Bay Packers. Now, to tell you exactly how this money is going to be distributed, this is how it's going to go. He wants to distribute the $81 million from the maintenance fund, largely created by a half-cent sales tax, which ended in 2015. He would give $700 to Brown County homeowners, an additional money to Brown County, Green Bay, Ashwaubenon, the Greater Green Bay Chamber of Commerce, and the Greater Green Bay Community Foundation. Seventh's plan also calls for replacing the $81 million, uh, $81 million by redirecting the 10% Lambeau Field ticket tax to the city of Green Bay, which would be responsible for reimbursing the team for any maintenance costs determined by the formula. The proposal would allow the city to use access ticket tax on certain other projects. Now, I will tell you this. If I am a person that lives in Green Bay and I own a home and all this stuff, and you're telling me that you're going to give me a sum of money uh, from the Packers, Initially, I'm going to say, hell yes. Like, great idea, David Steffen. I'm all about it. Give me my money. Right? Seven, eight hundred dollars, whatever it's going to be. Sure. Pay me. All about it. Seven hundred dollars is what they said it would be. But this is where I get concerned. Why do you want to pick a fight with the Packers for? Now, this dude here, he he don't even live in Green Bay. He lives in Howard. I don't even know where Howard is in the state of Wisconsin. So that that's where he lives. This is where I don't understand it, right? So Milwaukee, we've been through this, right, with the Miller Park or American Family Field, whatever they call it nowadays. We've been through it with County Stadium to this. Will it get done? Won't it get done? Okay, we're going to build a stadium. Then we went through with Pfizer Forum, which to this day I will continue to say was the easiest deal ever done probably by a city as far as getting a sports stadium approved by uh, by the people and getting it all done uh, political-wise, by Peter Fagan and that crew, uh, pretty much no resistance. So that was uh, done as well after the Bradley Center. When Bob Harlan went knocking door-to-door in Brown County trying to get funding to get that stadium redone and get the new brick facade and add on the huge 
uh, front piece of that building and add on suites on the one end and do everything that he did. In order to get that done, I, I, he's been on the big show numerous times. It's like one of the most stressful times of his life. Like he wasn't sure it was going to get done. He didn't think he didn't know if he was going to have enough votes to get it passed in Brown County to get the deal done. That's how tough it was. The home of the Green Bay Packers. Man, do they really love the Packers though? I don't know. So from that perspective, that already was a problem. So now here comes this dude all these years later and says, hey, man, we should get a chunk of this money, right? That city and the surrounding area should get a piece of that money. You all don't need all that money. Okay, fine. Well, now here comes Aaron Popke. I've known for a long, long time. He was public affairs director. When I knew him, he was just a media relations guy who would set up interviews and so forth, and he's climbed the – the, the ladder of success with inside the Green Bay organization. This is his statement uh, that came out from the Packers. Uh, Stephen's legislation would position them instead of uh, instead as adversaries, as they would be forced to sort out who would be responsible to make up the operations and maintenance funding deficit. The proposed legislation is unwise public policy for that reason alone. Popke continues, it would constitute a breach of trust and illegal evisceration of the Lambeau Field lease. It would leave no choice other than immediate major litigation to prevent it from taking effect. Now, the proposal doesn't involve the Titletown District um, at all. I mean, again, if I live there and you're telling me you're giving me 700 bucks, cool. Yeah, I'm getting it one time. Yeah, he gave me 700 bucks a month for like the next 10 years. He's giving me 700 bucks one time. I could use the 700 bucks. I'll take it. I'm good with it. But where I have a little bit of trepidation and concern is why do you want to go to court against the Packers? Why is this a good idea? Like, you couldn't have come up with a way to try and figure out how to get some money out of that deal without doing it this way? Why would you, like, I, I don't even understand. Like, now, you, now, in order to get this done, you're going to have lawyers involved and everything else. They've got more money than God up there, so that ain't going to bother the Packers. And now you're going to go rolling into a courtroom where, again, you're going against the Packers, which means every news station in the state is going to be carrying it. Wouldn't be surprised if the dang thing ended up on the national uh, network with ESPN and Fox Sports that the Packers are in court uh, in their own state uh, over this whole deal. Like I just I think it's I think it's horrible public relations uh, for everybody involved in this deal. The Packers don't want to be in court against their own politicians in their own state. Like that's nonsense. Why would you do that? Again, as I've said before and I'll say it again. And if you live in Green Bay and you're listening uh, streaming us on the Odyssey app, I'm sorry. But the reason that town's on the map is because of the Packers. Period. If that if that team leaves People aren't going to be talking about Green Bay at all going forward. That's it. It'd be another town in the state of Wisconsin, which is great. Very nice city. Like Green Bay a lot. Been there many times. But the Packers are the reason they're on the map. Why? Why, 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 why would you try to pick this fight now? Like, I, I don't I don't get it. I don't understand it at all. I mean, I understand what he's trying to get done. I just think there has to be a better way of going about doing this than the way he chose to do it. Uh, uh, that being Representative Stephan. So there you go. That's my two cents uh, on that whole deal at the end of the day. All right, let's hear from uh, our guy, uh, Bill Bender, over there at Sporting News. Uh, they put out a too early top 25 college uh, football poll. Um, and we'll talk about where they've got the Badgers. Uh, and we'll talk about the college football landscape. Uh, and, and could it possibly be changing uh, at, at, at some point in the future. We'll talk to Bill Bender next here on Sparky's Midday Madness. Welcome back. Sparky's Midday Madness on 1250 AM. The fans, the Sparky Fiverr with you, Dan Plucker, executive producer, other side of the glass. We're live from the Lakeland University Studios, leader in online education for more than 25 years. Lakeland.edu joining us now on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. He is Bill Bender of the Sporting News. Bill, thanks so much for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me on. How are you? Uh, I'm doing good. We've been talking the last couple of days uh, about college football, the landscape of college football, Alabama, Georgia, obviously national championship game, um, and all of the five- and four-star kids they've had 
uh, on their, in you know their programs here, and you look at say Wisconsin, the twenty twenty one class. Now their class isn't as big, uh, but you know they got a five star kid. Uh, they've got like fifteen uh, three star kids. Alabama and Georgia has a handful, maybe. Uh, of three-star kids uh, on their program. How do you think the recruiting gap gets closed at some point, if at all, between you know the Alabamas, the Ohio States, the Clemsons, the Georgias, uh, and that second rung of programs, which Wisconsin, a perennial top 25 team, is clearly in? I mean, expansion could help, in theory. I mean, it's something that, that could help, but it's not a guarantee. I mean, when you recruit that that uh level you know georgia had 19 five-star guys in their matchup with michigan this year in a matchup where michigan had three five-star guys and one of them was a backup quarterback and i think that's something that's a company-wide challenge for the big 10 if you're not ohio state is finding enough four and five-star talent to come to your campuses and the nil or the transfer portal however you get them there to uh compete with i guess the problem is we're the two best teams monday and they just happen to be from the SEC. You know, when we talk about um, academic standards and how those play out, well, we talked about it earlier as far as, you know, should Wisconsin consider, uh, you know, putting academic standard or football ahead of maybe academic standards and maybe moving that line back uh, for their sports programs and maybe make it easier for kids to get in, like, say, in Ohio State does, who clearly has separated itself. I mean, you could even look at Michigan, for God's sakes. I mean, Michigan gets there, and you could see the night and day difference uh, between what Michigan was able to put on the football field from a talent perspective versus what, say, you know, Georgia was able to put on the football field. You mean like Jordan Davis running Lake Corum down behind the line of scrimmage? Gig- the the, the yeah. biggest human being I think I've ever seen in my life. It's amazing. It's like watching, I was. I described it as like a whale moving very fast on land. And uh, he's not, he's really athletic. And I, yeah, I mean, that's just the challenge they face. I mean, you and I watched the SEC Big Ten Bowl games. Now, at the second tier, they're, they're pretty competitive. Yes. Purdue, uh, Purdue, on Kentucky, Iowa is what it is. But I think it's just this gap with, I've watched enough Alabama and Georgia games just to see how much talent they have and how disparate it is from everybody else. You know, from the aspect of going forward here and looking at next year, and, you know, you have that uh, the too early top 25 that everybody puts out. Uh, With Wisconsin, though, you look at the Badgers, they lose so many guys um, on the defensive side of the football, obviously. On the offensive side of the football, you know, you lose your wide receivers, you lose your tight end, Ferguson, who has been, uh, you know, Graham Mertz's favorite target by far, not even close. Uh, and then you're going to have some inexperienced guys uh, coming in that didn't get a lot of play this year as freshmen. And Skylar Bell uh, and Marcus Allen each got, I think, a catch in the bowl game uh, before all was said and done. How do you see the Badgers going forward? Well, I mean, like everybody else, they're going to be, you know, I went through nine way too early top 25s today, and I've seen Wisconsin every, everywhere from six to not ranked. And that's going to be a common theme if you're not Georgia, Ohio State, or Alabama. You know what I mean? Like, you could be ranked anywhere from six to not ranked, and I won't be surprised. They're going to be in that jam with Iowa. You're going to see Minnesota get ranked by some people um, in that Big Ten West, and even Purdue. So I think the challenge for all of those schools, those is fairly obvious, is can you catch up with Ohio State, Michigan? And I think Michigan State's going to get a lot of off-season love based on what they've done the last two seasons with Mel Tucker. At Michigan State, they go and get they get Jalen Berger, who left the Badger program, uh, who started the previous year as a freshman uh, for Wisconsin. So he leaves and goes over to Michigan State. They have the Badgers recruiting coordinator, Saeed, who left to go to Michigan State uh, as well. So there's definitely um, some interesting storylines between Wisconsin and Michigan State at this point. But even when you look at Michigan State and as far as how you know they stack up going forward, I can't look at Michigan State and go, oh yeah, they'll compete for a playoff sometime soon. Like I, I don't see that happening either. Well, they lost a third of their offense with Kenneth yep. Walker too. I mean, maybe they find a plug-and-play guy that can play like that, but it won't be easy. Um yeah, they're going to have work to do. I mean, they I think they all do. And, again, Ohio State's dominated the Big Ten for so long, and, and a big reason why is when Urban Meyer came there, the recruiting changed. They they started recruiting like an SEC powerhouse. And I've watched countless games where Wisconsin, Michigan, 
Penn State. I mean, those three schools alone, I tell people this all the time, they've only beat Ohio State a combined total of twice now since Urban Meyer arrived. Yep. There have been good games. There have been close games. But, but I still think Ohio State, just based on that four- and five-star recruiting model, is going to be tough to beat again next year. Talking with Bill Bender of the Sporting News, a national writer for them, at BillBender92 on Twitter, at BillBender92. When we look at that situation down at Notre Dame and you see uh, you know, uh, Kelly leaves to go to LSU, how much better of a job really is LSU than Notre Dame? I mean, if you look at the record, they're pretty even over the last, you know, since Brian Kelly got to Notre Dame, which is a testament to how well he's done at Notre Dame, given that LSU has the loaded four- and five-star classes. So I think that's something that will be a challenge for both of those guys. For Kelly, it will be going into the SEC West where, <laughs> I mean, like, eight and four isn't very good, unfortunately, in that conference. Um, you got to deal with Saban, Jimbo Fisher. It's going to be tough. And then Marcus Freeman kind of got a crash course on how life is at Notre Dame. I love his energy. I love what he's going to bring to that program. But, you know, the Oklahoma State Bowl game, not easy. And they open with Ohio State next week, next year. So he'll get an up-close look at what really good looks like. The other thing I was surprised by looking at recruiting classes, I don't think Notre Dame has a five-star kid in this, this recruiting class as we sit right now today. That, to me, that is- that's insanity. Surprising, and that's something he's going to have to change because you know Notre Dame's been in that spot too. We've seen him make the playoff twice. Uh, we've seen him run with Clemson and get ran off the field, and then Alabama that that playoff semifinal not this year but last year was over in about twenty minutes. So I mean that that's going to be the challenge for him is to recruit and upgrade things at Notre Dame so they they can compete with those. It's it's the same challenge the Ohio, the Big Ten teams face. When we talk about recruiting and stars, how much do you put into that? When when you see recruiting classes and how good uh, you know they may be going forward, well, to me it's the accumulation. It's not so much you know one guy. Like there are very few singular recruits that I'm like, okay, that guy will change your program. You know, like the Trevor Lawrence's or you know whoever gets Arch Manning here very shortly. Oh yeah, but um, that's the home run one. Uh, yep, right, but but. From a four and five star standpoint, it's just like when I look at the rosters and I'll click on it and see, you know, Alabama has this many. I think that one tweet that was going around where Alabama and Georgia had ten more five five star guys than the entire Big Twelve and Pac twelve combined, that alone right there tells you what the problem is. I mean, you can put every conference in the playoff if you want, but those teams are still gonna win. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And I think that I don't know if it's a problem. I just saw the numbers come out for the national championship games for the last, I don't know, five years or whatever it is. And, you know, there's somewhere between 21, 25 million people uh, that are watching it. And to be honest with you, I, I just don't know. I mean, if Cincinnati somehow pulls the upset and they end up in the national championship game uh, instead of, you know, Alabama or instead of Georgia or instead of one of those two, and it's Cincinnati and one of those other two. Do ratings really go that far up? Do that many more people watch to try and see, you know, Cincinnati shock the world uh, versus watching Alabama and Georgia, which we've all seen already in the SEC, uh, and them having a chance to go back and play again? I don't know what brings eyes to the TV set uh, at this point anymore. You know, does a Wisconsin bring people to watch the national championship game more so than right. the, the, the normal teams that are always there? Well, I think what college football is struggling with it. it has become a national game but it still has a regional following you know um the nfl has the drop on them i've been using this analogy all week that everybody tuned into the other night you know or had an into football fans because of the stakes and it didn't matter that it was two west coast teams the nfl can sell championship weekend when they it doesn't matter let's you know since we're on a Green Bay Station, and I'm a Packers fan. This is fine. So if Green Bay plays anybody from Tampa Bay to the Eagles, the entire country's following that. And I don't, I'm just not sure that's the case with the college football playoff right now because everybody has their own silo, their region that they care about. And when the both silos are in the same conference, you think that probably hurts it? Yeah, it's the catch-22 because, I mean, if the goal is to get the two best teams in the country in the championship game, that happened. There wasn't a team to me that was better than Georgia or Alabama. I agree. But, but, SEC teams, and I'm based here in Ohio and texting buddies that, you know, trying to text them during the game, and they're all like, I'm watching something else. 
they don't the casual football fan whether it's Alabama fatigue SEC fatigue whatever the Monday night spot right after the holidays I don't know there's a lot of things they got to figure out with that because it's just tough when you have that now if the matchup then and that was even true last year with Alabama and Ohio State and you wouldn't have think it would have been because those are two of the biggest brands in the sport yeah, no question. He is Bill Bender. Follow him on Twitter at BillBender92. Does a great job over at Sporting News. Bill, thanks so much for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Hey, anytime. Thanks for having me on. Take you, care. You betcha. Take care. There he is. Bill Bender on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Applying for home renovation loan as you're feeling anxious. Breathe. My Great Midwest Bank help you experience a state of tranquility. Get started at GreatMidwestBank.com today. I don't think Plucker and I have had this conversation. I'm going to bring Dan Plucker uh, in here. Plucker, do you think that if you got some parity in college football. Nobody knows how we're going to get there, but if you got some college parity in college football, and if it was a rotating door of teams that it wasn't always Alabama and Georgia, but maybe one year I'll use your Michigan team. It's it's Michigan and Texas. Uh, and then the next year, maybe it's um, Clemson and, I don't know, Boston College or something, and it's a more of a rotating door. Do you think that increases ratings where people are more anxious to watch it and see it versus the same, you know, six to eight teams year in and year out? Uh, I think it would probably increase ratings a little bit because there are more options because it's going to get – it already is very monotonous where it's Alabama every year, this yep. team every year. Like what I was saying yesterday on this show, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson – um, Ohio State kind of there every single season. It gets tiresome. And then when you do have teams like LSU and Joe Burrow, uh, when they made that run and everybody was talking about them and everybody was watching them, that's when I think like the more special seasons happen where you remember something like that and you can like go back and watch just how great that team was. So I've got a question for you for real quick. For breaking through. I'm going to cut you off real quick. We've never done it as a topic. Is Nick Saban good or bad for college football? Is Nick Saban good or bad for college football? Because I agree with you. I, I like Alabama, but I agree with you. I think he's essentially sapped away all the fun kind of out of college football because of how much his program has dominated since he's been at Alabama. The day Nick Saban says, I'm done, and walks away from Alabama, and let's say he goes back to the NFL. I don't think he but let's say he goes back to the NFL and leaves college football, right? Is that a good day for college football or is that a bad day for college football, the day Saban walks away from Alabama? I think you could argue it's a good day for college football because it opens things up, right? I mean, unless Alabama goes and hires an Urban Meyer or somebody with a track record or Pete Carroll gets fired in Seattle and Pete Carroll ends up at Alabama and is able to bring that recruiting swag with them. But if it's just one of... Saban's assistance uh, that essentially gets promoted at Alabama to run it, kind of like what happened at Notre Dame, uh, or Kirby Smart leaves Alabama as an assistant to go be the head coach at Georgia. If it's something like that, I don't know, man. I, I think you could argue it would be a good day for, Al- for Alabama, Dan. If Nick Saban decides to pick up and, and walk away from Alabama, it would be an end of an era, an end of dominance, but it might be the best thing that happened to college football. Yeah, I think it would be uh, probably a good thing for college football if if Saban wasn't there. I mean, we don't know who would step into that role as like the next dominant head coach. I mean, Davo Sweeney currently certainly in that conversation, maybe Kirby Smart as well with how well he's recruited uh, over the course of time, but. Nick Saban has gone on a run at Alabama that is one of one in terms of college football history. Correct and. While it's great for the program and it'll be one of the most historic and most dominant runs that will ever be remembered in any sport, I don't think it's a good thing overall right. for college football. And I, I'm surprised ESPN hasn't done this as a topic. I'm surprised Fox Sports, CBS Sports. Like, I haven't seen anybody do that topic, and I think it's a legitimate it's a legitimate discussion to have uh, and put out there. Now again, if you're Nick Saban. You don't get mad at the discussion. You take it as a compliment. Because what people are saying is you've been so dominant, you've essentially sapped or or taken away all the fun out of watching to see my favorite team going to win a championship. Even though Alabama didn't win the championship, this is what we know. Bryce Young is going to be there next year. These freshman wide receivers that were just out there 
that were trying to get experience in that game, they're all going to be there next year. They're going to come back reloaded all over again. So you know they're going to be right back in it. Will Georgia be there uh, again next year? Don't know. Clemson? Don't know. But you could pretty much pencil in Alabama every single year. Crazy. But that that's kind of uh, what it is uh, at this point. So, all right, take a quick time. I'll come back on the other side. Uh, and we're going to talk with uh, co-hosts of the Pack-A-Day podcast, Eli Berkovitz, book of Eli underscore NFL on Twitter, straight ahead here. Sparky's Midday Madness. Welcome in. Sparky's Midday Madness on 1250 AM. The fan. Just getting word from our guy, Dan Plucker. Mike DeCorsi, Big Ted Network. Part of that broadcast last night from Marquette on FS1. He'll join us tomorrow at 1035 on the Wendy's Big Show. Mike DeCorsi tomorrow morning, 1035 uh, on the Wendy's Big Show. Hey, are you looking for new career? Would you like to be a part of a Christian-based family-run company? A lot of company that's been in business for over 30 years. Talking about my guys over at Young Express. They're looking to fill a, a dispatch position right now and looking to hire immediately. This is what you have to have. You have to be able to multitask in a fast-paced environment, good communication skills, computer literate. I mean, shouldn't we all be at this point? Uh, an overall friendly disposition for dealing with a variety of customers and drivers. As I like to say, this is not them saying this. This is Sparky saying this. Just don't be a jerk. If you're not a jerk, you'll be fine. Uh, no experience necessary, and they'll train you. Now, at Young Express, if they bring you on, you get competitive hourly wage, paid holidays, vacation time, personal days, 401k with company match, Christmas bonus, and a beautiful health plan. Apply today at youngexpress.com. That's J-U-N-G express.com. J-U-N-G express.com. Young Express success drives them. Now, uh, making his debut uh, on Sparky's Midday Madness, uh, and maybe on the fan in general. I'm not quite sure if he's been on any other show on the fan to this point. Uh, Eli Berkovitz, a good co-host of the Pack-A-Day podcast. Eli, thanks for coming on, man. appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here. Is this the debut on this station, or have you been on one of the other shows before? Uh, no, this this would be the first. All right, beautiful. Well, good. I'm glad I could be on Sparky's Midday Madness. Uh, okay, so uh, first things first, I guess, uh, Eli, uh, let's first talk about uh, Zadarius Smith coming back for this Packers team, able to practice today, video is out, looks pretty good to me. What type of impact do you think Zadarius Smith can have uh, during the postseason, having been out pretty much all year after having back surgery? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's exciting to see him back at practice. I think I saw the video you were referencing. Uh, he definitely looked good to me. Obviously, there'll be some rust to shake off after missing essentially the entire season since week one. But with the way Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary have played this year, along with the rest of the front front seven, you throw into Darius Smith, even at you know 85 to 90 percent, and I think the Packers have one of the most lethal pass rushes in the NFL. And he said himself he's not going to be out there really till he's 100%. So even if maybe in the divisional round he's not at 100%, but they win that game, get a bit deeper in, and then you have a front four, you know, on third down pass rush sets with Zadarius Preston, Rashawn Gary, and Kenny Clark coming up the middle. I don't think there's an offensive line in the NFL that can stop those four. You know, that's the other aspect of it is – you know, how do they use these three on the field at the same time? And the other perspective is how many snaps does Zadarius be able to play? I mean, my guess is probably somewhere in the area of 15 to 20 snaps maybe a game. Yeah, I'm sure it would come in on a rotational basis. Definitely not going to throw him out there too much. Don't want to uh, risk any kind of aggravation to his back. But I think they could rotate it pretty nicely. And if they put them all on the field together, at least the way I see it, I think – having Preston Smith and Gary on the outside with Clark uh, over the center and have having Zadarius one-on-one against the guard is kind of a dream matchup. And the offensive line, they can try to double-team two of you, but you can't double-team more than that. And if you're going to have four elite pass rushers coming at you, you're getting at least two one-on-ones and quarterbacks going to be running for their lives. The other part about this, Eli, uh, talking with Eli Berkovitz here on Sparky's Midday Madness on 1250 AM, The Fan, uh, is Jair Alexander. Now, not as positive necessarily that he is back, but I think he'll be back. Uh, and if he is back, that cornerback situation is kind of crazy because, I mean, Kevin King went from being a starter to now all of a sudden you look at Kevin King and you start putting this together and you're talking about Jair Alexander, Rajul Douglas, Stokes, and King. All of a sudden, I feel like he's kind of leaning more towards being that third or fourth cornerback on this team with the, right, with the return of Jair Alexander. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think at this point, Kevin King, I mean, I would even throw Chandon Sullivan probably ahead of Kevin King. I, I don't see King playing much outside of some uh, rotational role or, or something were to happen. But uh, with the way Razul Douglas and Eric Stokes have been playing, which has been lights out, we all know Douglas with the interceptions and Eric Stokes, we're barely hearing his name, which is kind of exactly what you want um, out of your corner. If you're not hearing his name, that means he's doing his job. So I think you keep Razul and Stokes where they are, and you let Jair take over that slot star position that Joe Barry covets so much. And all of a sudden you have between them three and then Amos and Savage at safety. That's a very, very formidable secondary. So I hope to see all three of them out on the field together. I'm sure Jair will also be worked in a little bit slowly, kind of like Zedarius, but I think uh, pretty quickly he'll catch on. And in my opinion, I think he should probably be in the slot, let Stokes and, and Douglas stay where they've been so good. And then, and then, yeah, you just have a tremendous secondary to go into the playoffs with. I'm with you. I love it. I, we'll see what Gary Leroy think. I'll bring this up tomorrow on the Wendy's Big Show. We have them with me again. Uh, the other aspect of this is this offensive line. Um you know, coming yeah. in with the injuries that they've had, Bakhtiari, then you lose Turner, you lose Jenkins along the way uh, as well. They're able to still maintain uh, and play really well. Uh, of this line, is, is Runyon the, the standout lineman that people should be talking about at the end of this year? Absolutely. I mean, he has not been talked about nearly enough. And I saw a stat this morning, I believe it was from uh, Zach Cruz, that uh, uh, John Runyon had 1,053 uh, snaps this year, did not give up a single sack, the only lineman on the Packers to do so. And second-year player, we all kind of liked him out of the draft, mid-round pick. Obviously, we all know how great his father was in the NFL. And it looks like the Packers did what they've done before, you know, with Josh Sitton, TJ Lang, and the list goes on and on, finding these mid-round stud offensive linemen. David Bakhtiari is another one. And I think, I think, yeah, he's going to be a, a fixture on that line for years to come. And I love seeing Myers get back. And as good as Royce Newman has been as a rookie, I think the way they had it set up to start the Detroit game is exactly how you want it. Bakhtiari at left tackle, Runyon at, right, at left guard, Myers at center, Patrick at right guard, and then hopefully with Billy Turner, hopefully coming back, him at right tackle. If not him, we'll have Dennis Kelly do a little uh, Bakhtiari Kelly doppelganger at the end. Right. Yeah. I'm all about that. You know, the other thing about this is, too, you start thinking about past this year. I mean, we're assuming Bakhtiari is back next year. Uh, Jenkins is obviously back next year. Uh, Myers obviously is back at center. But then that right side of that line, I, I think, is going to end up being uh, Runyon, right, at right guard would be my guess. And then right tackle, does that end up being Yash at right tackle if Billy Turner isn't here? It definitely could be. I mean, we all saw how good Yash played this year, and I was very high on him coming out of Virginia Tech. I know he was undrafted, and the second I saw the Packers add him to his pra to the practice squad, I was very excited about that, and he has shown that he was very much worth holding on that practice squad for a couple years. But I think uh, we'll see with uh, the rehab of Elton Jenkins, but we know how versatile he is, so it wouldn't surprise me if he finds himself at right tackle either. But yeah, him or Yash, I would say, at right tackle, if, if Turner's not around next year. When we go into this uh, this playoffs here and we're watching this weekend, uh, is there one team that worries you a little bit uh, that the Packers uh, may have to play at Lambeau that you're kind of hoping loses to avoid them? I mean, I think the like the easy answer would be the Bucks, simply because of Tom Brady. But I'm actually going to go with the Cowboys. I think their offense has a ton of weapons, both in the pass and run game. Their defense creates a ton of turnovers. They're, they could bring pressure. And I also, honestly, I just don't want to deal with the whole, you know, Mike McCarthy familiarity and then just the storylines that will come up with the whole, you know, with Mike McCarthy returning to Green Bay. But in general, I do think Dallas, I mean, it was against some subpar opponents, but two of the last three weeks putting up over 50 points, that means something. And that offense, you know, covering Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Dalton Schultz is a good tight end, and you got Zeke and Pollard out of the backfield, so... Definitely a team that I would I would prefer to avoid if if possible. We talk about Lambeau Field, uh, and everybody talks about Lambeau Field mystique. 
uh, and how well they've played at home this year. But then you see postseason numbers. I want to say they're like 7-6 and six in their last 13 postseason games. Uh, they lose the conference championship game uh, last year uh, in Lambeau as well. How much of a big deal really is it for this Packers team, do you think, Eli, to have home field advantage throughout the playoffs? I think it's huge, honestly. I think last year not having fans was a was a major part of of you know kind of that loss. Like they lost the game and fans can't play. That wouldn't necessarily change the completely change the outcome. But when you go from having ten thousand fans to you know seventy, eighty thousand fans, that's a very big difference. And obviously the weather. I was actually in Green Bay last year. I wasn't at the game, but I was in Green Bay watching it out there and I was standing outside and all I was saying was it's just it's not cold enough, you know. So sure. if we could if they could get they could get that cold weather they had Sunday night against the Vikings where you're in the single digits, wind chill and in the negatives, that's what the Packers want. And if you think about the rest of the NFC teams, most of them are either dome teams or warm weather teams. So if they have to come travel up north and play in Green Bay in single-digit di- single weather with 80,000 very loud fans, I-, I think it makes a very big difference for them to have home field this year. Tom with Eli Bergovitz on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline host uh, the Pack-A-Day podcast. Also, uh, you co-host uh, a podcast called Open Book. What is that? Yeah, so Open Book uh, is actually it's a live stream show that you can find. It's on uh, Game On Wisconsin every Wednesday night. Uh, you can find it on Twitter, on YouTube, so under t- Game On Wisconsin. So that's tomorrow night, then. Um, yeah, tomorrow's actually, Wednesday. So who are your co-hosts? Uh, no, today's Wednesday. Sorry, no, it's actually tonight. Uh, coming oh, tonight. up tonight. Okay. Yeah, you're right. At uh, yeah, at eight forty-five Central. I have two great co-hosts, uh, Janelle Mackey and Zach Jacobson, who joined me on that show. And yeah, you know we have guests uh, come in. We had Randall Cobb uh, this season nice. and a few other players. And uh, yeah, it's a really fun time. So definitely, I would say check that out every Wednesday night at eight forty-five Central. Right, so you brought up Randall Cobb. Did you think he was going to have this big of an impact? I didn't. When they got him, <laughs> yeah. I was like, "What are we doing? Why are we getting old dudes for to come in?" Like he couldn't. He wouldn't play all that much in Houston. Now he's going to come in here, and you know, I get Rodgers. Oh yeah, I can make anybody better. They're not. If they're not playing with me, it doesn't matter what they do somewhere else. Uh, and that arrogance that comes with Rodgers. But I'll tell you here right now, this proves his point because Randall Cobb looks like well before he got hurt, but he looked like old Randall Cobb prior to getting hurt this year, and was a major factor in this offense. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I, I hear what you're saying, you know, the move it's like on paper, it was just seeming like, okay, are they just trying to dig into the past and bring back something that maybe isn't there? But as we saw, you know, Rogers to Cobb, that connection is still very, very strong. Every time he's been on the field, he's made an impact. Having a true slot receiver is something this offense was lacking since Cobb left. They tried a few people out there, didn't exactly work out. So I think having him back for the playoffs is huge. Another, you know, just having that guy that you know Rodgers trusts and can rely on on third down and big key situations when defenses are going to be double or even triple teaming Devontae Adams, knowing Randall Cobb's going to be there for Rodgers, I think is a, is a huge impact. And maybe, uh, yeah, definitely not what people would have expected when the deal was initially made. One last thing for you, because it's a, it's a person we talk about in the big show and we go back and forth on. What, what do you think about DeGuara at tight end? Mm. That, that's, uh, that's a good question, because I'll be honest. I was, I was quite uh, confused uh, that night of the draft when, when that pick came in. I, I didn't, you know, after picking, picking Jay Sternberger the year before, I just wasn't sure was a tight end slash fullback really needed. But the way he blocks and the way he goes out there, and you see him now starting to get more involved in the, in the passing game, I think he could really blossom into something. I mean, tight ends, you rarely see tight ends come in into the NFL and do much in their first year or two. Obviously, last year he missed most of the season with an ACL. But as he continues to grow, I think he could be that tight end one slash, like, almost like a like a better Kyle Juszczyk in a way. You could use him in the back sure. as a fullback, but I also do think he has real route running and catchability that I think this offense needs because right now without Tunyon, I mean, everyone loves Mercedes Lewis. You're not going to hear me say a bad word about him, but we could definitely use a bit more speed out there at tight end. Well, I mean, 
I mean, you can find a lot of people faster than Mercedes Lewis at this point of his career. Yeah. I agree with you yeah, on that. E- sure. Eli Berkovitz, uh, at Book of Eli underscore NFL. He was amazing. We'll definitely get you on again. We'll get you on Big Show next time. At Book of Eli underscore NFL. Eli, thanks so much, man. Thank you so much for having me. You bet you. Take care. There he is. Eli Berkovitz, Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Applying for home renovation loan as you're feeling anxious. Breathe. I like Great Midwest Bank. Help you experience a state of tranquility. Get started at greatmidwestbank.com today. No matter your favorite sport, the place to be for great food, fun, and playing your own favorite indoor games is Cute Club of Wisconsin. Uh, with plenty of TVs to watch the games on while you play your own favorite indoor games in a huge entertainment game room. We're talking about bocce ball, darts, foosball, table tennis. I mean, you name it, they've got it in this gigantic game room. Lots of pool tables. You can settle down and have some awesome food while you're playing from loaded burgers, wraps, wings, plus their Wednesday. Today's Wednesday, Eli reminded me. Wednesday and Friday, fish fries piled up. Ha! With all the extras, visit their Facebook page or Q Club of WI.com for menu and weekend live entertainment updates. Q Club of Wisconsin, North Grandview Boulevard in Waukesha. Up next, we're going to talk with our guy, Rami Magloff. The Rami Show comes up at 3. We'll find out what's coming up. And we'll talk about a video I found and tweeted out of him losing something else since he's been here at the radio station. And another athletic thing. I forgot he lost, but that's two now that I've found that he's lost in. Maybe he's a little overhyped in his mind. We'll talk to him next. Sparky's Midday Madness on 1250 AM. The Fan, live from the Lakeland University Studios, the leader in online education for more than 25 years, lakeland.edu. This segment brought to you by Jim Dandy, South 27th Street in Oak Creek. Watch all the playoff football action while enjoying great food and friendly vibes. And don't forget about their award-winning fish fry on Fridays. Follow them on Facebook, Jim Dandy's on South 27th. Street. Steve Sparky Pfeiffer, Dan Plucker, executive producer, other side of the glass. Joining me now uh, is Rami Makhlouf from The Rami Show coming up uh, here in just a few minutes. Um, so before we get to it, hi there. I, 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 I had called you last night. I was trying to find Matt Barlow, Matt Space Barlow back in the day, old mm-hmm. producer uh, here uh, at the radio station. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering why. Like so many other people. That was not the reason. Oh. Um, so... I was trying to get Matt Barlow's Twitter account, and I couldn't find him. I'm searching, I'm searching, so maybe he got rid of his Twitter account. I don't know what happened. So I was trying to find him because I found an old picture of Matt Barlow on a remote. Remember when we used to go to Pick and Save and grill up all the brats and the mm-hmm. hot dogs for charities and stuff? Mm-hmm. And Barlow was out at one of them, and I found an old picture of him wearing a 1250 shirt. So I was like, oh, I'll tweet this out. I don't think it's kind of funny. Um, and you didn't know his Twitter account either. So then I went to Googling, trying to find... His Twitter account, uh-huh. see if I could find it. Uh-huh. I couldn't. Uh-huh. But I did find this YouTube video that popped up when I searched Matt Barlow, like WSSP or whatever. And it was Strengths of Feet from back in the day. Feats on, of Strength. Feats of Strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry. Uh, from Rami is Burning, uh-huh. a show that Rami Makhlouf, Matt Regacious, uh-huh. the big ragu, yeah. uh, and Matt Barlow used to do on Saturdays from, what was it, 2 to 4, right? It was mm-hmm. after the racing show? Yes, sir. From 2 to 4. I forgot all about it. So I was like, what is this? So I, I play it, um, and it's you and Barlow arm wrestling. Yeah. And you were in really good shape back then, man. I'm in you better were, shape now. Mm-hmm. I am for sure. Uh, okay. I am. Um, so you were in really good shape back then, and mm-hmm. you and Barlow having an arm wrestling match. And I'm over on the side wearing my Disney sweatshirt, kind of yeah. doing play-by-play, because, of course, we did this on the radio that nobody could see them actually arm wrestling. Right. Brilliant. Um, so I put out the video. Right, after. I'm talking on the microphone. Matt Regacious, mm-hmm. uh, your co-host back He's then, a Barlow was a producer. He was refereeing and kind of doing play-by-play through the video that you see on YouTube. So I tweeted out the link at Sparky Radio yesterday. Yeah. Tagged Rami, yeah, tagged yeah, yeah. Regacious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Couldn't find Barlow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you lost to me in a race. Right, 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 you right. lost to him in an arm wrestling match. What have you won athletically? here at the station since you've been here. Have you beat anybody athletically in anything? How about instead of going down these Twitter wormholes, you get our Twitter account back up and running? Okay? I've, I've been did, working Did you break our YouTube page no. last night while you were out doing this? Huh? How we about, have, how about we you? have a YouTube page? I, I don't know. We should if I'm we sure, don't. I'm guessing we do. We should if we don't. I've never looked at it. Neither have I, but probably we should. Probably hasn't been updated in like a decade. Probably not. No, probably, probably not. Probably no, not no. because no. we're behind the times. So, but, I'm so, asking you a question, though. I'm asking you a question. When am I getting Twitter back? Don't answer a question with a question. Just Answer the question that's being asked uh-huh. to you. Have you won anything athletically here at the station since you've been here? I don't know. I don't 
don't think you have. I don't know. All this running of the mouth. Uh-huh. I don't think you've ever won anything athletically since oh, you've been here. You're running your mouth right now, even though you won't take a rematch. Oh, no, man. Exactly. Those days are done. Exactly. I'm old. Exactly. But and I you know. Broke, and you broke our Twitter. I know I'm done. Uh-huh. I admit it to breaking mm-hmm. the Twitter. Yeah. They're still trying to figure it out. I've been emailing with corporate for three How days. How is this this difficult? They have to go to the actual people at Twitter yeah. in order to get it fixed. How hard is it to get a hold of somebody at Twitter? I don't know. I've never had to. I've never had to. I don't know anybody What'd over there. What did you do? I told you Good what I Lord, did. Lord, man. I told I know you what, what you I did, did. But what did you do? The birth date of the account I, know, I put for the I know, station. I know. You because made this I, it, Because it's 17 years and not 18, they <sighs> shut us down. Yeah, that's what happened. So anyways. You're affecting the show. It's affecting the whole radio station. Yeah. It's affecting a ton of people. Yeah. It's like 20,000 20, followers yes, on that account. dude. Yeah. I know. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I'm sorry. I apologize. I feel horrible. So what's on your show today? Anything good? No. <laughs> Robbie's show <laughs> comes up next here at three. Don't go anywhere. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.